quick note before today's episode. I'm speaking on June 5th, 2020, and I'd like to think it's a complete waste of time for me to say this. I'd like to think anyone even slightly interested in listening to this show would be on the same page, but on the off chance that's not the case, and because by the nature of the songs we're discussing, this is a political podcast, and in the grand tradition of Fugazi themselves, I thought I'd take just a minute to lecture a mostly like-minded audience. The insane, reactionary, discriminatory, militarized, toxic culture of policing in America has got to change. Black lives matter, and it becomes clearer with every passing day that officers get away with murder, cover up for other cops who murder, resign in solidarity with cops who are punished for murder, and use weapons of war against people who peacefully protest against the state of affairs that the system and culture is deeply broken and they will fight tooth and nail to keep it that way. When I was a kid, I never dreamed that things could possibly be this bad when I reached middle age, and I'm heartbroken that they are. I've been thinking a lot about lyrics that Ian Mackay sang in Minor Threat. You say that I make no difference, at least I'm fucking trying. What the fuck have you done? To me, that's not a rhetorical question, that's a real question. What have you done? Not all of us are able to be out there protesting, but have you donated a little bit of money to fight for change? Have you told off somebody for saying some racist bullshit? Have you simply made your voice heard and said that you want justice for the innocent victims of -of out-of-control cops? I really hope that you have, and I really hope that if you haven't yet, you will do something, anything, as soon as possible. We need you. To anyone who thinks it's out of line for me to say this, Why don't you go ahead, delete this episode, unsubscribe from the podcast, and lose my number. I don't need you. To everyone else, thank you for your support. Let's do this thing. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Alphabetical Fugazi, the only podcast that devotes an episode each to discussing every song in the band's catalog from Fuga A to Fuga Z. I'm your host, Ian James Wright. Joining me today to discuss Bed for the Scraping from the 1995 album Red Medicine is Michael Kentoff of DC band The Caribbean. Michael, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, I've, I've had a few DC musicians on the show before already. Um, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's nice to add another one to the roster. Um, Chad Clark actually was, was saying to me that, uh, that you might be interested, uh, in particular, he mentioned you. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to ask you first about your relationship with Fugazi, um, as a fan. Um, do you remember when you first heard them or heard of them or, uh, can you tell us a little bit about how you got into them? I do. I remember pretty vividly, actually. Um, it was probably 19... 19- 90, I guess. I don't know what year it was, but it was right around the time that 13 songs came out and I hadn't heard them. I had read a little blurb about them and a friend of mine asked me if I wanted to go see uh, Sonic Youth at Citadel Center on Ontario, which is long gone uh, in, in Adams Morgan. And and Fugazi was opening and, and, I, and, and he said that because we kind of heard of them and uh, I think my friend was a minor threat fan. I didn't know anything. Uh, so we went and not knowing what to expect. And Fugazi just, I, you know, I had to pick my jaw up off the floor. Uh, it was, it was so visceral and electric and cool. And 
dynamic that if I remember correctly, we only stayed for like four Sonic Youth songs because we were just fried. We couldn't we couldn't listen to another band, even though the band we went to see was Sonic Youth. And Sonic Youth didn't suck. It didn't matter. <laughs> you know, it, it's you know, it you, you know, you shouldn't have to follow Fugazi, at least not at that time. That would that would it's a ridiculous task. And I, it's unfair to say that Sonic Youth wasn't up to it. It didn't matter whether they were up to it or not. It just wasn't. It wasn't as interesting. It wasn't as involving. You know, Fugazi was a band that grabbed you by the collar in a way that wasn't um, wasn't simply confrontational. It it was like a friendly grab of the collar. I just I was blown away. And so I don't know. A couple months later, I saw them at at uh, St. Augustine School in the, in what I think was a cafeteria, but you know the lights were off, and right actually right around the time of repeater right right when that record was released and remember like 40 people being up on stage kind of surrounding the band behind the band and Guy at one point putting a Rickenbacker in his pants it was crazy <laughs> shit and it was but it wasn't again it wasn't just rock crazy it was just that it was it was emotion and it was feeling and it was also this really all those things with a really, really precise band. And I didn't really know the songs that well yet. So, you know, uh, it, it didn't matter because I just was, I was just captivated by the dynamics and, and by the energy and by the, uh, the emotion of it. So that was about, I guess I, whatever, I guess 1990 that was. And, uh, you know, and then I would bring people to shows occasionally you know, to see them because, you know, it was can't it was can't miss stuff. Uh, I didn't see them a ton, but I I really got to know them as a live band um, really before I even got into the records. And it took me a long time to get into the records in a way. Right. Um, as as well done as they are, and I know Don Zantara well, um, and I respect him and I think he's great. And of course, I'm I'm good friends with Chad, and he remastered the entire catalog. The stuff sounds great, but it because my first experience note one was live. It took me a long time to really enjoy the records. And, and, and because also as a band, in some ways they're not necessarily the kind of band I gravitate toward because they're not a hook band. They don't have hooks really. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's not, it's not melodic music in the way that I, that I, that I do and that I think of. So live, none of that stuff matters at all. You're just swept away by the entire experience of it. So it took me a long time to get into the to the records. I did, you know, but it took me a while. Right. I'm with you on that. Fugazi's as much as I love them, they're kind of an outlier in my musical tastes. I'm I'd gravitate more towards melodic sort of uh pop hooks. Um Yeah. That's that's my jam really. Uh I don't listen to hardcore. <laughs> I I don't listen to some punk rock, but um but some Fugazi transcends genre in that way the experience of seeing an opening band that you've never heard of before and have them blow you away. That's, that's a real magical experience. It doesn't happen that often. Like no. it's, it's happened to me. I remember, um, I saw, let's see back before their first album came out, I saw the arcade fire open for the unicorns and nobody had ever heard of them. And I remember everyone in the audience being like, these guys are pretty goddamn good. And, um, like the, uh, the only other one that comes to mind immediately is I saw, um, 
a New York band, Screaming Females, opened for Dinosaur Jr., and they really blew me away. But, uh, you know, it's like I can count on one hand the, the number of times that's happened, and um, it's a magical experience, and for it to happen with Fugazi, um, yeah, I can only imagine. Amazing stuff. Yeah, it doesn't happen much. I had heard of them only because there had been an article in the city paper right before that, and I don't even know if that read the article, but I seen it you know so it was it the name was familiar to me but that's about it you know i didn't really know much i don't know that i knew much about discord and interestingly i mean my my friendship with chad is based i mean obviously we work together but but also is based on a mutual love of a lot of music and most of the stuff that we bonded over was like xtc you know and and uh you know Bjork or whatever, so stuff that has nothing to do, in some ways, with um, with Fugazi. So yeah, it's. I mean, you said it. It's an outlier, which I I didn't know that was the case for you, but that that's I, I obviously have a sympathetic uh, a sympathetic partner in this endeavor. So yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, it's just it's they 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 don't yeah they break a lot of maybe I don't see they break a lot of my rules, but they don't necessarily fit in easily. But they kind of transcended that because they just, you know, they slapped me around in a in a in a very friendly, cool way. And I really, <laughs> you know, I respected that. I mean, there are other Discord bands that I really like, but yeah, Fugazi was definitely kind of out of the blue for me. Have you crossed paths with uh, with Fugazi or the members um, after the band went on hiatus, uh, sort of professionally, just as a DC musician? Yes and no. I mean, I, I, you know, I've run into Ian a couple of times. Um, you know, we we know who each other. We you know, we say hello. We don't. We're not. I, we're not friends, but we you know. Just we say hello, and he seems like a nice enough guy. And actually, I think Matt knows him better than I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it's well, this is kind of funny actually. Uh, at Chad's wedding, a number of years ago, probably about I don't know, nine years ago maybe, uh, I met Guy. And I didn't want to approach him because I didn't want to be a dick, you know, and I just, you know, and he's he's a very normal guy. He's not some guy you look at and you think, oh, there's a guy who's a rock guy. He's just a guy, you know, wearing a suit, has his glasses on, whatever. Um, And my wife, who's not afraid of any of that kind of stuff, said, oh, come on. And she kind of dragged me and introduced me. And And the funny thing about it was when I met him and introduced myself and obviously we had Chad as a mutual friend. I didn't want to get into the Fugazi thing. So what I ended up saying to him, and this was genuine, it was actually what I might have said anyway, is how much I loved his production on the Blood Redhead record, Misery is a Butterfly. It's a gorgeous record. It's beautifully produced, and he did it. And I guess he's not used to people. He's used to people wanting to talk to him about Fugazi, I would imagine. Sure. And I said that, and he was like, so we we liked each other immediately. He was like, oh, he he was really happy to talk about that and be complimented on that because it wasn't his usual thing which isn't why i did it i just did it because it was the first thing that came to mind and i also didn't want to be a fugazi fanboy in his lap and so we became kind of email friends and then he toured with Vic chestnut and said he should come and i went and i of course was being shy and say hello and then he berated me on email for not saying hello and then Vic died and we talked about that a little bit and he just seemed like a really nice guy. And again, from talking to Chad, apparently he is a really nice guy. But that's my only sort of interaction that I can think of. Uh, I don't know if that was as a musician or as somebody in the in the DC band community. I don't know what it was as, but you know, 
it's you know i mean they're they're indirectly a big part of my life i I think the only interaction i really had with him was uh, at fort reno i think uh not one of the shows they were playing but you know he was there and i i i did just go up to him and ask him about uh, fugazi i guess this is after uh 2002 just ask him like what what the plans were he was very you know gracious and uh to talk to me a little about uh it was it was sort was of this gee yeah gee um yeah it's sort of painful for them not, for things not really to be working out for them to be able to play together at the moment um uh but yeah he was he was very gracious with his time it was uh nice to talk to him he's a very uh soft-spoken friendly human being uh nice yeah to that's exactly right and they were both and they were both maybe all of them they were hurting to have families and you know whatever other things were you know going on the road for a few months was not really probably a very appealing thing if it was ever appealing it certainly wasn't by that point because you just have other shit to do but i know um and I've, I, you know, it's funny because every once in a while I'll go to a show and, and Ian will be there. And I remember I was, he and I, I guess I hung out with him sort of off to the side of the stage at a wire show at Black Cat. And, uh, you know, because he can go backstage to any show he wants to. It was, this was one, <laughs> this was one where I knew that I was friends with the opening band because we were label mates. And so I could go back. So it was one of the few times I could act like, you know, you know, uh, royalty, but it was cool. And as I was, you know, and as seeing a, and watching with him, a band that was probably certainly a huge influence on me and probably a big influence on him too. wire. That was kind of cool. So the song in hand today is bed for the scraping. And to uh, yes. introduce it a little, this is, um, you know, according to the, to data I've scraped from the, uh, Fugazi live series archive, um, on discord.com. It's the most played song from red medicine in their live career. Um, about 297 times, but uh, there could be some more because it's an incomplete list. Um, it's their, it's their, it's in the top 20. It's their 19th most played song overall. Wow! Uh, so it's a pretty, pretty good live staple. It uh, they debuted it on, let's see, November 20th, 1994. And um, yeah, so this is this is a song you opted to talk about. So I'd like to give you the first word. Is there anything you'd like to say <laughs> about this one off the top? I, I, you know, Red Medicine's a record that when I first got it, which is right when it came out, probably, I wasn't sure about it. I had some, I, 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 and I can get into that in a second, but this song was immediately captivating and because of the guitars, the guitars just hooked me right in. Right. Uh, And that was, you know, that's sort of, okay, this song, yep, check, has everything I need. And the interesting thing about the guitars well i mean one of them is um the intro is just bass and drums and ian's vocals it's sometimes easy to forget that there are no guitars in that beginning part because it's so captivating until the guitars burst in and then it's like oh this is amazing yeah and they burst in in a way that isn't necessarily like a lot of stuff they do right you know it's it's a very distinct uh sound and uh, and just a guitar part that's you know it's almost more like a Robert Fripp thing than what you think of as Fugazi, but yeah. it's obviously Fugazi. It's a, it's a great, it's cool. So. You know, you know what I compare it to in my head is um because it's this little ascending run and it's chromatic, right? It's like do do It's it's all three, yeah. these three notes in a row, um, uh, sort of like adding a little. I guess they call it a passing tone in there. Um, but it, it's, it's a sort of, it sort of gives it this interesting little swing feel to it, right? It's not just playing the scale notes. It's playing some in-between stuff. It reminds me of, mm-hmm. do you know the song Animal Nitrate by Suede? 
I don't. I know a little bit of Sway, but I don't know yeah. anything by title. I, I don't know. Th- I, well, I will have li- I will listen to it after we yeah. disengage. I'll, I'll put yes. it in the uh, show notes when this comes out. But yeah, it cool. reminds me, it's... So yeah, it's this the song Animal Nitrate. It's it's really cool because you know, it starts out sounding like this. You know, it sounds good, but it, nothing amazing. It's just this sort of Brit pop sound. But then, um, but yeah, this this lead guitar part comes in in the chorus, and it it has it's has this like chromatic ascending thing going on that uh, that introduces this sort of like swinginess to it that. Um, that prior to that, the song had been just a little bit square, playing this sort, the sort of uh, notes in the scale. Um, uh, it's really cool, and, and it's the same sort of thing that the lead guitars in this do. Something else I wanted to say, you know, just talking about the intro there, is that the drum fill, that the really short drum fill that starts out the song. Yeah. Um, you you know what it is? I I mean, I loved it for a while, and it took a while until this clicked. It's practically exactly the motown drum fill if you, oh yeah don't put it up yeah 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 if you think of like uh best example i can think of is ain't too proud to beg right boom 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 i know you yeah uh, another good example is um my girl you know there's a guitar for a couple bars and then it's that fill that you know starts off uh the vocals going uh, i don't know that i ever would have thought of that but yeah. I, I you're 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 spot on uh, yeah that was a that was a, and I don't say this in a shorter way. That was a stock Motown fill. They use that a lot. Yeah, and uh, and 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 you know, good for them because it it it's it's great. It's a great fill. But yeah, you're right. That is that. I don't know. Have you ever seen the uh, documentary about it, Standing in the Shadows of Motown? No. I'll put that on the show notes too. Yeah, it's it's this. Yes. It's a cool documentary, and they, um, you know, I think the 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 two main drummers back in the day that were Benny Benjamin and Richard Pistol Allen. Um, and I forget. There's maybe it's one of the later drummers, but uh, but one of the drummers um, uh, on the Motown records just sort of t- took you through it and like showed that fill. And it's like here's how you know this this guy would have played it. Here's this other guy had a kind of different take oh, on yeah. it. It's this really cool little section of the of the documentary. So uh, yeah, uh, heads up to music lovers out there. Um, it's a good one to check out. <laughs> That's that would be really cool. Yeah, I will check it out. All right, so I have two things to check out. So, okay. <laughs> I, I like to uh, sprinkle some references in here that uh, that I know of. Uh, hopefully, give some people things well, to compare. No, I'm glad. To. I like that. I mean, you and I. I mean, you know, in talking about the guitars, we reference two uh, British bands that are not punk rock, right? So, you know, I mean, I, and and I that's that's cool. I, it's fun to pick out references that are not immediately obvious or part of the same. You know, you wouldn't think of Motown. You wouldn't think of Suede or King Crimson when you think of Fugazi. But and it doesn't mean that they were necessarily directly influenced by those things. Probably not. But that, like all of us, we just collect information in our brains. Yeah. Uh, we just collect references. You know, I always, you know, I would say this to to you know friends. Everything's R and D. Everything. If you're I mean, I think, you know, at least my feeling about it is if you're creative, you're a creative person and you make stuff, that everything is research and development. Anything that you encounter can work its way into what you do, even unconsciously, which is one of the re- – and it's not just music to becomes music. It could be reading about some, something – you know, reading about uh, the Templar Knights becomes – gets <laughs> – finds its way into a song 
not you know, just because it's what you happen to be thinking about, or you get some vocabulary that you didn't have before that sounds good in that spot. And it's, you know, it, it just shows that you accumulate these things and they find their way into other things in unexpected ways that maybe one in a hundred people even pick up on, mm-hmm. but they're there. And maybe the people who made it don't even pick up on it, you know? So it's interesting. Yeah. And, and to look at that in, in sort of the opposite direction, probably one of the biggest ways that um, my musical tastes were formed is, you know, like I would read interviews with artists that I enjoyed and they would like sort of talk about their musical influences and I would be like, well, I, I have to check this out. Um, right. And it, it would end up sounding nothing like them. And, you know, you'd be disappointed at first. And it was like, ah, this, you know, I was, I was hoping uh, to hear more of this style. But, you know, yeah. you listen to it more, I guess, because, you know, uh, first of all, when I was you know, growing up, of course, there was no internet. So I would just have bought a CD and it's like, well, I'm stuck with this. I might as well listen to it a few more times. <laughs> and right. it sort of grows right. on you. And yeah, you, you find out. And eventually you sort of learn, you start to see how um, bits and pieces of these artists um, snuck into the the one that you really admire. And and then you sort of start to love them uh, too in their own right. Sure. And I, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I've even, you know, gotten other, I've gotten the groups other, the the, the reverse of that. Uh, You know, I guess I listened to them before I knew this, but when I found out that Bob Pollard got it by voices was a huge fan of, wire and peter gabriel era genesis both the things that i both things that i already loved and it made perfect once i heard oh yeah i hear that Mm. it it turned me on to it it made me sort of appreciate what he was doing more um taking two things that didn't seem to be compatible and smashing them together and realizing that if everything's compatible there's nothing you know everything is potentially compatible um and if you have the will and the ability you make it compatible and so you know you you, the reverse is also true and also if somebody you read about referred to some band and you never heard of them and you listen to them and you are immediately moved by them you might have moved on from there but at least that band was on your radar now and maybe four years five years later you heard it again and it clicked it clicked for you you liked it and it clicked for you that you now i know why that person referred to them i didn't understand it when i first heard it so it's you know it's all our our development and education. It's, it's a life. It's a lifelong thing. Yes, it's a lifelong thing. All right. So, all right. I also, I mean, I wanted to give a shout out to Joe's baseline, of course. Um, starting out of the intro, it's it's one of those classic Joe Lally baselines. You know, it's a short one. It's it's looped over and over again, like you know, like the canonical waiting room. Um, I think a key is. Um, uh, I love how he sort of slides up to the last notes, right? He goes, dun, 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 and then that, that, uh, that's, that's somehow makes it. Um, I was, yeah. I was listening to, I went on YouTube to try to look for bands who did covers of Bed for the Scraping, and The Refused is a band that apparently um, does it from time to time. And I, th- I think they're a good band, but listening to their cover, I was like, yeah, this sort of falls flat. I don't, I don't think they're doing justice to it. And one of the reasons is like the bass player is not doing that slide up, and it's just not quite the same. Uh, it's well, yeah. There's de- the details are everything, you know, and so it that's always a thing. The details are always important, and it may be one little thing that you barely even notice, but its absence is obvious, is a gaping hole, 
and the song has no magic anymore. It might be so cool, yeah, but it doesn't have the thing that really brings you back again and again and again and again and keeps it in your brain. So yeah, that's 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 the problem with covers sometimes, you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, you definitely. Uh, I mean, plenty of people talk about the the art of covering songs and what makes a good cover. And I'm not one of these people who insists it be uh, completely faithful to the original. But I, I, I guess what I'm saying is just no. that I, I used that to identify something about the original recording that has a big impact that I didn't quite realize until I heard it w- without that. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. cool. Um, but yeah, as it is, it's like it's it's got this real driving, propulsive thing going on. Um, it's it, it comes together, you know, it's one of the... The it's on the short list of songs that I consider sort of dangerous to listen to when I'm driving. Um, it's like uh, it, yes. it makes me want to turn it up really loud and and drive fast. Uh, I'm, and drive faster. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a I'm not a dangerous driver, but there are a few songs. Um, the the other ones that came to mind. There's a song called Black Hawk Down by Rancid, uh, Bottle of Smoke by The Pogues. And uh, another Fugazi song, Public Witness Program, I think are like the there are f- these these few songs are just like wow. Be careful with your uh, with your gas pedal uh, foot when you're listening yeah. to those. So you know not to put those on, or <laughs> or put it another way, if you ever are in an accident, we'll all know why. One of those four songs is probably playing in the car. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Otherwise, you're probably pretty safe. Okay. So if you would just send out a a warning, that's that's fair to think, say. You know. I'm playing better for the scraping now. I'm driving. Just, you know, I'll just stay off the road. It's cool. Yeah. Or, you know, at least if I realize this about myself, then uh, maybe I can maybe I can drive faster in a less dangerous way. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Well, like, no, if you're if you're out on, in the open road or on the Autobahn, you know, go for it. You know, that's cool. That's but, you uh, know, I'm on Wisconsin Avenue in Bethesda. I wouldn't try it here. That would not that would not be pretty. All right. New life goal. Uh, go drive on the Autobahn listening to Fugazi. That sounds like a good time. Well, that's actually kind of interesting. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it, but it's kind of, you know, a nice combination of things. Followed up with a little craft work, of course. Of course, you have to. <laughs> so I guess I'll ask you, first of all, I find this song a little impenetrable when it comes to the lyrics, um, maybe more so than most Fugazi <laughs> songs. Um, you, you have any thoughts on them? I, well, I, it, it's funny because you were saying... I don't know if it was when you and I were speaking before this started or you were speaking early on in, the, in this podcast, but you were talk, said, talking about the lyrics, and I said, uh-oh. I mean, I, I don't know. I have no <laughs> idea what the song means at all. And, and you know, and I, I, don't, I have no idea what most of my own songs mean, but at the same time, uh, usually I can find something sort of say, okay, well, let's... I mean, you have I Don't Want to Be Defeated as the chorus, and it's a great chorus, and it doesn't really matter what it's about because it's awesome to hear and it's awesome to sing. Uh, it works, but um, I don't know. I yeah, I have usually with. It seems like usually with Ian McKay's songs, I kind of know. I get the drift. I kind of know where he's going, mm-hmm. narratively, or what he's, you know, uh, the message or whatever. You know, this one, I I admit, I don't know. Maybe that's why I like it so much. I I like being mystified by lyrics a little bit. I don't like. You know, I, I focus on music. I guess I, f- I focus on melody first, but uh, I, I I notice lyrics when they suck, right? Because it can shoot down a good song. But um, and this one it was never the lyrics except for the chorus, and 
But then when I dove into the lyrics and now, and diving right back in when I knew we were going to talk about this song, I have no clue. And I don't <laughs> mind that because they work. You know, a lot of good lyrics for me are phonetic. It That's more important that they work. And as when I write something, it's really, do I want to sing those words? Do I want those words coming out of my mouth? And it'll, will it be fun to sing those with it, in that melody? And that'll make sense of it later. And I think that that's... I'm not saying that's what they did, Fugazi did, but it's sort of why I don't hold them to anyone to a standard of me absolutely understanding what they're driving at. It's okay. They work in the mood and feel of the song. But unfortunately, I can't help you any more than that, though. Yeah. And I have, I have no insight or even any theories as to what the dirty little secret is or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I don't really have an overarching theory about the song, uh, but it is... It's one of these songs that does present some lines that are at least um, a little vivid. And I mean, the title, first of all, is is this very yes. vivid. It's contrasting soft with hard uh, imagery. And it's like, you know, what the hell does that mean? It, it conjures up. It's almost like makes you think about lying on a bed of springs with no mattress on top of it or something. <laughs> Um, it doesn't. It doesn't sound pleasant. No. <laughs> it sounds like almost like a. I for whatever reason I think of like a, a, a sanitarium. Yeah. And these beds and I and that kind of that 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 faded lime green wall. You know, like somewhere maybe in East Germany. I don't know what you know. It, it it's it's a vivid image, but I don't exactly know what it is. But I think a bed for the scraping, and maybe because the first line is I'm, I'm you know I'm sick with this. I do think of illness. Yeah, uh, immediately when I see the title, and then when I and when you delve into the song a little bit, I think of illness, and I think of, and there's possibly some part of the song that that is about that or is supposed to evoke that. I don't know. Yeah, I I agree. It's um the the biggest vibe that I get is illness, probably mental illness specifically. Yes. Um, like the I mean the end of it. What else is there to do but go outside? Uh, it sort of says agoraphobia to me, um, or at least, at least some kind of like depression that has you stay inside. Um, you don't realize that uh, time passing, right? My own sweet time says it's ten twenty four. Hardly recognize simple things anymore. It's it sort of bespeaks a, a disconnect from real life, uh, from the mm-hmm. normal life that most people live. Um, so yeah, that my. Yeah, my my only feeling is that it's about some kind of mental illness or uh, or altered mental state in some way. Um, I do like. I, I wanted to just just a few lines. Uh, bed for the scraping, dirty little secret, reason for the gathering. That also makes me think of like Rosemary's Baby, like some kind of satanic ritual, uh, which is which is fun. <laughs> that is fun. Well, it's 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 fun to think about that movie anyway. Yeah, it's it's cool. So I don't know how how much into guitar gear geekery you are. Um, but I did, um, it did make me think of there's, there's a guitar pedal called the dirty little secret. Um, and it, oh, it emulates uh, a Marshall plexi, which is like basically what Ian plays through. So it, right. That's true. I, it makes me want, I don't know if it's a coincidence or, or what? I tried to Google it, you know, Dirty Little Secret Fugazi, uh, uh, the company is Catalan Bread, but uh, I didn't come up with any th- interview with the, the owner of the company saying it's, it's inspired by Fugazi or anything. So, uh, yeah, I just wonder about that. 
I wonder about that too. I, 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 I mean, I guess the, I don't know. I don't know when the pedal came out, uh, and I don't know. I know nothing about the people who own or run cattle and bread. I know the company, and I think that Dave, who plays guitar in the Caribbean, has a, at least one of their pedals. It's actually it's great. It's the Canyon Echo. It's insane. It's so good. I, I don't. I, you know, I, I, I don't have any of their stuff, but um, it'd be interesting to find out. You know what their background is you could in other words you could probably extrapolate if you knew some a little biography and a little timeline you might be able to extrapolate whether it was or not the problem is it's a little secret is such a it's such a well-worn phrase yeah. it could mean anything that's you know? absolutely um so yeah. who knows it's it's one of these but interesting uh, i know right? one of these possibilities i like to uh, hold you're all there. you're all about connections i can see that you're all about sort of putting the puzzle together well i gotta i gotta come up with material for this podcast somehow right can't well if you if you if the podcast the idea of the podcast is if you're doing a song by song in a way you are building a puzzle that's right uh because so i i think it's a natural you know extension of that idea to sort of look for and i don't mean in a conspiracy theory way but look for connections right uh because as we said before a lot of connections are there they're unconscious but they're still interesting they're still worth checking out it's still worth examining so yeah you know yeah, completely um and of course um the lyric i don't want to be defeated you know fugazi has a history of some great sort of shout along parts where you know you if you can imagine seeing this live it's you'll you'd have the whole crowd shouting along with that and as far as shout alongs go it's a great lyric for it yeah i don't want to be oh, defeated. It's, it's it is it's it's fantastic i love it i love it for that reason and and you know mostly in ian's songs anyway you know, there's that little bit of sort of, you know, it's a, it's a very specific thing that he does. I guess it's kind of derived a little bit from the sort of oi music, but it's that 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 shout along thing, and uh, and because he doesn't really write in melodies so much, and because a lot of times the guitars and the bass are doing that work, um, the vocalist is not, and and so the payoff vocally is often that chorus that everybody just screams at the top of their lungs, you know, which is cathartic when you're there. But actually this recording is so good. I think that it actually is fairly cathartic. Just listening to it. I mean, that's one of the things about this again, you know, Don's Tara and, 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 and Ian too, cause I know that he, and, and Guy, cause I know that he also do production, but it sounds great. It's a really cool recording. Um, the guitars at first, they're almost sound a little distant. You can hear the room, but it works like a mofo, and uh, I really just—I don't know. This song is one of those songs that even the studio version really just—it just rip roaring, you know. And once again, I got used to the records. I could appreciate that, and just making records, appreciate. Yeah, they didn't capture the live sound, but they did a pretty decent job, you know. It's pretty convincing, as this is a powerful, powerful rock band just from the studio recording. And this song has, I think a lot of that. And the, and the, and then the chorus is just a huge payoff. Well, I think that segues pretty well into our next, uh, little segment here called ratings. Do you like me? Do you like me? Do you like me? Michael Kentoff, oh, oh, oh. if I could ask you, uh, this is, this is the most difficult part of the show, but, uh, I like to ask my guests if you could, Rate this song uh, on a scale of one star to five stars, purely within the context of the Fugazi catalog, like your least favorite to your most favorite Fugazi song. How many stars does this one get? 
I'll say I'll say four. I could lean toward a four and a half. If that's acceptable. But I, I mean, there there are a few songs um, scattered throughout the catalog. A few of them are on Kill Taker that I probably like a little bit more. But I really like the song. I, Red Medicine, in some ways, worked its way from being a record that I wasn't sure I liked to a favorite record of mine. I think it actually accomplishes a lot of cool things. At first, I was I thought it was kind of a forced, like, we're trying to be experimental. Well, you're Fugazi. You don't really have to be experimental. Just be Fugazi. And eventually, it grew on me that, no, they're being Fugazi. They're just trying some different stuff, and it it, it works. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a period of their playing of their recording that I particularly like because it's, you know, kill taker than this. Um, but I, I guess I'll go four because I'm going to be somewhat conservative. Cause if you start, if you go five, then it just seems like, I don't know, there's nowhere to go. You know, I mean, there's a couple songs that I, I would give a five. I'll give this a four in context. Right on. Fair enough. Uh, as for me, How about you? as for me, uh, it's a five. Um, this is, you know, it's possible that it is my favorite Fugazi song, uh, believe it or not. Um, if not, I like definitely in the top five um, for for all the all right, reasons. Now you make me said. feel weird. Now you make me feel funny. <laughs> no, no, this is this is completely subjective. I'm gonna, how about if I? Well, of course. It is. How? I, all right, I'm gonna go four and a half. That's what I'm gonna leave it at. That, <laughs> okay. Four and a half. So when you're tallying the scores, when you're done for this project, 28 years from now, uh, you're tallying all the scores. I'm gonna give this a four and a half. Uh, it is a. It's a. It's a a great song it is a great song it's a great recording of a great song too and that's not unimportant absolutely it's, it, it 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 comes through uh on record which is hard to do with a song that's clearly designed to be played live right and um like a lot of the great fugazi recordings it's very faithful to how they sound live you know it's you listen to this you don't hear studio magic at all you hear just uh four guys right it's Mm -hmm. um the the Mm -hmm. the song lets parts be bare if there are not enough people uh to to play parts right it lets the drums and the bass just take it for the beginning um the guitars kick in playing that um lead line in unison but there's no like extra backing guitars like sort of cording along with it um it just it lets uh it lets space happen which is something that uh the great Fugazi recordings uh, all seem to have in common to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 almost the opposite of how I work, but I I, I appreciate it so much. I mean, I assume I, mean, I can't imagine they didn't just play it live. There is some studio magic, though. Studio magic is getting that to sound like this. In other words, get it, capturing that is no small feat, right? You know, and and again, inner ear and Don. That's kind of. You know, and Don was doing it. Don was doing that well when he was recording out of his basement. So, you know, he obviously has just the mojo with that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. But, it's yeah. Uh, it's self-effacing yeah. studio magic, right? If it's done well, yes. you don't really realize it's there, like a good editor uh, of a novel or something. Yeah, or a referee. Yeah. Sure. Uh, or, well, if you know Don, he's nothing if not self-effacing. He's really nice guy. He's a really, really nice person, and uh, and and it's just no. He's a he's a genuine article. He's in a way, you know, he's not what you expect because he's such a he's just a quiet guy. He's older. He's super, super, super mellow. I've never seen him in 
I don't think I've ever seen him in anything but t-shirt and shorts and usually like, you know, uh, flip flops or something, you know, he's just, you know, but it's one of the reasons he's easy to work with because he's just, you know, he's got a nice sort of baritone voice. He's very calming. And I don't know. Was, yeah. Was, he's, he's a great guy. I think he would be fun to have on the show cause he's got a lot of ideas and he's got a lot of interesting experiences. Was he at Chad's wedding? Huh. And if so, t-shirt you know, and shorts. <laughs> uh, gosh, hmm. <laughs> he must have been, but I don't, I, you know, I, I don't, I mean, I knew a lot of people at the wedding, so I, I don't know. Chad could answer that better than I. Um, we need to see some uh, photo there, evidence of, uh, of this if event. If he was there, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him the benefit of the doubt that he wasn't in a t-shirt <laughs> and shorts. Um, I, I feel like if I'm at something and uh, Chad's wearing a jacket and tie, really, you know, that's that's pretty – that's highly unusual. So I can't imagine that, you know – uh, I, I have to think that Don, if you were there, would have been, I mean, you know, was wearing a suit or something or sport jacket. And tie. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't remember though. I, I don't remember. I, I, you know, I have fleeting memories of meeting Chad's brother and his, and his dad and stepmom and, 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 you know, Gee and, and hanging out with a few other people that I was hanging out with, but I, you know, I, I, everything else is fuzzy. All right. I thought I didn't. I did not get drunk, so I don't know why it's fuzzy, <laughs> but it's just fuzzy. My, you're you're acting like I'm going to bring this all up in court at some point, right? Your uh, your memories of Chad's wedding, your rating of bed for the scraping. Um, I'm really going to hold your feet to the fire, and uh, this this evidence right, will be right. used I don't, against you. I don't. I don't recollect. I don't recollect. I don't, you can you talk know. to your lawyer. It's okay. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, I'll 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 uh, consult with counsel and. Uh, well, um, I'll get back. I'll get back to you. Let me give you a chance to do some plugs. Where can listeners reach out to you? Uh, uh, get in contact with you. Learn about your band. Do you have any upcoming events, say in 2020, that uh, you'd like to, uh, listeners to know about? We are uh, CaribbeanIsABand.com. I think that's still the the. the page for us it's like it's now it's like blog setup so i'm not good about following that stuff matt's awesome at that and i i kind of butt out um and you know working on new stuff it's weird now because i don't know that it's even appropriate to say that you're working on a new record because you can just work on stuff that's true because you can put it out in whatever form you want to and i I, it's not to say that i wouldn't want to put it out something as a record but you know i don't think as much on those terms now um but that's you know we're we're you know the caribbean is on itunes we're on spotify we're on Bandcamp. we're you know we're 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 everywhere we're ubiquitous um quietly ubiquitous that's good quietly ubiquitous go, good uh, good name for an album at some point i think yeah that's that's true <laughs> well if we're struggling for a name you know i'll give you the credit hey i'd be glad to have it well, okay, uh, cool. as for me, listeners can always reach me at Fugazi A to Z at gmail.com. And uh, we have the Facebook group, The Alphabetical Fugazi, where you can discuss this episode, talk about your thoughts about about uh, Bed for the Scraping. Um, what do you think? Four and a half stars? Ridiculously low rating? Uh, let us know. Uh, and uh, otherwise, I hope you'll all join me for the next episode when we will be discussing Birthday Pony. Until then, keep your eyes open. This is my last